So good evening, everybody. This is John Spillman, your host for the Davison GOP Red Wave podcast. So the Red Wave podcast serves as a chance for the audience, you guys, to learn more about local politics, politicians, and the issues important to Davison County. So we'll focus on hyper-local politics and hopefully get you guys involved and have some special guests along the way. So our first guest is none other than our chairman of the Davison GOP, Christopher Jessup. Thanks for being with us tonight. Thanks, John. I appreciate you having me. Excellent. So uh, really our goal with this is to talk with you a little bit about uh, your role in politics, history of politics, and uh, see where it goes. So how did you get started in politics? Well, it's a very interesting question. I began in politics when I was about 15 years old. as during the Bush-Cheney 2000 election. Um, I just started to get interested in seeing what was going on. My grandmother was uh, becoming heavily involved in politics herself and had a lot of magazines come to the house discussing the Clinton administration and the importance of the 2000 presidential election. And that's how I really got my start. I started handing out cards at doors, uh, putting signs up, um, all kinds of things. And from there, I became precinct vice chairman, uh, precinct chairman, served on executive committees. And you and I worked together to create the Davidson County Republican Men's Club. And that was a, you know, a great, great organization to help create. It brought a lot of men from across this county together to uh, around common ideas and goals. And we were able to do a lot of great things there. Yeah, and, I, and I'll say too that you know, I wasn't really involved in politics until I met you both working at uh, Lexington Senior High School. And uh, we ran one time for, uh, you know, our slate for the uh, executive uh, or party uh, officials. Um, and then we ran again and you had the idea of doing the uh, men's club. And that's where kind of I got started uh, in politics, local politics, at least. Um, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yes, it so, has. I agree. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. So, um, now that you are chairman, can you talk a little bit about running for chairman this past time? Well, you know, being chairman, you can make as much or as little out of it as one wants to. And one thing that I believe Davidson County is, is the keystone of victory for North Carolina Republicans who run statewide races. We have the votes here that can swing elections from a Democrat to Republican, whether it be governor, lieutenant governor, U.S. Senate in this uh, case this year in 2022. And I believe that that's where Davidson County needs to focus. We need to, re we need to realize that we're part of a 100 piece puzzle, not just an island by ourselves. And we can really make some uh, big improvements with the voter turnout we have here, make big improvements to uh, statewide races across North Carolina. Yeah, and that's uh, you know, something we talked about is yeah, know, sure we is. decided uh, to run this past time is, is looking at uh, how Davidson County could be a keystone and, and motivating people at the grassroots level. That's right. And that's part of the purpose of this you know, podcast. And, really everything we've been doing since uh, since March 2021. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So uh, based on the fact that you're chairman now, so what uh, vision do you have for Davidson County and the Republican Party in Davidson County uh, going into early voting, which is going on right now, uh, the primaries, and then also into the midterms? Well, I think it's important, especially as we're in the midst of the primaries right now, to remember that at the end of the day, we're all Republicans. Remember that we're uh, playing for the same team. And we need to remember that uh, what Ronald Reagan said, the 80-20 rule, that we find someone we agree with 80% of the time, we can deal with the 20%. Republicans are 
are notorious for capitalizing the 20% they disagree with. And <laughs> so much discord uh, takes place in the party that someone winds up being elected with which we disagree with 100%. And so, you know, once the primaries are over with, we need to make sure whether we voted for that candidate or not in the primary, we need to make sure we're getting behind them because they need our support to go against the Democratic Party, which is seeking to destroy everything that's made this nation great. Um, I think also that uh, the main thing I would focus on this year, and what we have focused on is unity in the party and growing our party into um, a greater, I don't know what the word would be, a greater um, presence in the county. Uh, there's so many people that I think, and I've met them, they didn't even know the Republican Party existed. And that's not their fault. There's our fault. We, we haven't done a good job of that. And I think the stuff you've done with the brand managing and uh, the things on Facebook and YouTube and other things we've done to promote our party. Uh, we want to continue to go to things such as the multicultural festival and parades and places where the party hasn't been seen in the past and places that needs to be seen more. Uh, we share our values with so many people uh, in Cross Davidson County. It's just so many people share the values of the Republican Party, and we need to desperately reach those folks and let them know that we're not against them, we're for them, and we need to be working together so we can win this year in 2022 in November against the Democrats. The only way uh, red wave comes, John, is when Republicans are working together and making it happen. If people stay home, it doesn't happen. Sure. And that's something, another thing we talked about, we kind of ran on uh, this past uh, cycle is uh, unity is essential for victory. Yes, it is. And, you know, one of the things that we always see is the Democrats can, they unify around whatever issue it is or whatever platform they have. And it seems like they have this unbreakable unity and we seem to be fighting amongst ourselves in a lot of cases, and it does does uh, have a detrimental effect sometimes. It does. Democrats are great about uh, circling the wagons when something happens, and Republicans haven't been as good with that. And we need to uh, not kick our people when they're down. We need to be working together all the time to ensure that we are victorious everywhere we're running a candidate. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. So <clears throat> is there a central issue, though, um, that you see – uh, that motivates you to stay active in politics? Is there something, is there one issue that you find uh, compelling or maybe uh, essential to why you even chose to, to become active in politics originally? I don't think it was a, a central issue, like one thing that uh, motivates me. I think becoming a father helps you uh, put things in a different perspective. Sometimes you realize that, that you're uh, creating and building a legacy. And when we look back at the generations before us, uh, people that were uh, the sacrifices they made to make our country great, so we could live in freedom that we have today. And we realize it's up to us now to do the same thing for our children. I think that has become more recently, in recent years, since I've become a father, that has been something that has motivated me to continue this fight because if, you know, Republican Party right now is the best vehicle to preserve American liberty. And we need to continue to fight for that and not shrink back, not just go home and say, well, the battle's won, the battle's done, there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, there is something we can do about it. And we need to continue to fight, continue to show up at the polls and vote, continue to fight for election integrity, continue to um, be involved in every way we can in the political process. It's worth it. Our nation's worth it. Our county's worth it. Our state's worth it. Yeah, and I tend to agree. Yeah, becoming a father, it, it, it opens your eyes to seeing the world in a different way, especially when you have a, uh, a rival party that is uh, one of their party platform positions is destroying 
<laughs> that institution. That's right. It does. So it uh, it makes you motivated to fight for those things. Definitely. I agree. I agree. Uh, so what are some goals that the uh, Davidson GOP has going into year number two? So we've got a year under our belt. That was great. Excellent learning experience. Um, it was uh, tough. It's been a lot of hard work um, for both you and I. Um, but uh, going into year two, now that we've got a year under our belt, we got some experience under our belt, uh, what do you kind of envision for year number two with Davidson GOP? Well, year number two, I think it's important to continue to build on what we've already done. Never be be satisfied because there's always work to improve things. Um, mainly, we're focusing right now on the 2022 elections uh, in, in the fall. Uh, we're looking to support our candidates, whoever they may be, and hopefully get them through the general election. Um, I want to focus on Davidson County being as deep red as it can be. Davidson is a red county anyway, but we need to make it as deep red as we can get it. Um, those are the, the central issues of why our party exists. And also to get as many people that are interested in working in the party, getting them involved in ways that are meaningful to them. Uh, and when it's meaningful to them, they're going to help the party grow, which is what we need to continue to be doing. Sure. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I always tell you that, that uh, makes me kind of confirms for me that I know that what we're doing is making a difference is seeing those new people. That's right. Try to get involved. There's so many new um, people that are involved that are excited and they're willing to, to actually work and to get something done. And we, we need those new folks. We need our party style works to continue to be there to help train these people to be lead by example. But the new folks are essential to what we're doing. The young people that we're starting to see come in um, is just invaluable that we have that. And we need to continue to reach out to every aspect of society and find those Republicans because we need them. And we need their talents. We need their uh, gifts and abilities that God's given to them to, to further our party. Sure, definitely. So now we're talking about people getting involved with the party. Um, so what issues do you believe uh, are going to motivate people to become active this election cycle? What do you think is going to get people to the polls in Davidson County uh, locally or maybe statewide or maybe nationally? I think there's, a, there's several issues that uh, seem to be on people's minds. I think people are still um, very much concerned about election integrity. Um, and I, mean, I, I think that's a very legitimate concern. I think that the uh, Biden administration, their continued uh, assault on the American family, uh, inflation, gas prices, um, shortages of uh, basically anything you're looking for, uh, the war in Ukraine right now, um, and basically just the failure across the board of the Biden administration to do anything that has helped the American people. Uh, I think the border crisis, uh, we continue to see thousands upon thousands of people in this country illegally. I think that all of these issues combined are motivating people to not only to come out and vote, but also to rethink how they're voting. You know, is the Democratic Party representing my values? And I've seen a lot of people that have abandoned the Democratic Party recently and said they do not represent my values anymore. They, they're not the, the party of my parents and my grandparents anymore. They're a completely different far left party. And the Republican Party more reflects that. And I think that uh, going into 2022, those are the things that people are going to be looking at. But again, thinking about them and talking about them amongst yourselves doesn't make anything change. We have to get out to the polls and vote. That's the only way it's going to change. Sure, sure. So, and I mean, one of the things that we've heard continuously is one of the biggest mistakes the Democrats have done, have made over this past uh, 
year or so is turning parents into a voter block. So mm-hmm. speaking of the issues, uh, what can you say on, you know, critical race theory uh, and things like that kind of invading education? And thankfully, we have Mark Robinson, you know, um, uh, at the helm of some of those things. Um, so do you see that also uh, motivating people to come out? I think so. And I think that um, when, when the COVID uh, shutdowns took place, I think a lot of parents were able to see for the first time what was being uh, taught in schools. And previously, they trusted that the school system was doing the right thing. And then they started coming home. They started looking at it and said, wait a minute, this is not what we were expecting. It's not what we, we anticipated to see when they were coming home. But I definitely think that's part of it as well. Um, I think that uh, education as a whole uh, is something that motivates a large uh, block of people, especially in Davidson County. Because, I mean, who, who doesn't want to see improved education? I don't think anybody wants to see it go the other way. But we need to make sure that we are focused on getting CRT out of our schools and making sure that stuff does not uh, invade. Sure, yeah, and then and you know is what we keep having people say, we don't teach CRT in school. That's not part of the curriculum. You and I both. I mean, from my personal experience, mm-hmm. I've seen it. Um, maybe not officially, but I've seen it. I mean, oh, yeah. same case for you. It has been. It's um, you know, and I think it's you know the. It creeps in. You're not going to have a course on CRT. You're not going to have a course that's offered about uh, anything like that. But it seeps in in other ways, and you have to you have to watch for it. It's it's not something that is um, just out there plain. It's it, it's hidden. It's it's, it's the, the subtleness of it. This this the deceitfulness of it that that uh, tends to um, to just infuse so many different aspects of the curriculum, especially social studies, which is one I'm very familiar with, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and if something has to be stopped. Sure. So uh, now we've talked about some local politics. Let's talk about uh, some of the like current national stories that I think definitely deserve our attention. So this past week, we had uh, leaking of a draft mm-hmm. uh, decision from Samuel Alito uh, about uh, overturning Roe versus Wade. So, um, so what are your thoughts on that? Well, the leak itself, I mean, it's bad. It shouldn't have happened. Um, that's not something that should ever be condoned. Um, and again, just shouldn't have happened. Uh, Roe versus Wade, I believe life begins at conception. And I'm very interested to see what the Supreme Court has to say about this. As you know, as the, the uh, full verdict is handed out in the next few weeks, I'm assuming, uh, we'll be hearing more about that. And I think that um, a lot of people in this country have worked hard and waited hard or waited for a very long time to to see this decision reversed. Um, and it's been a terrible decision. Millions of children have been killed. Uh, innocent babies have been 63 killed. million. Yes. I mean, so many people have lost their lives. And it's, just, it's a scar on this country's morality. It's a scar on this country's history. And I think that um, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens um, in the next few months and how I believe state legislatures will be responding to this. Uh, I think that that's going to put a lot of pressure on state legislatures to either begin doing, continuing what they have already started uh, to protect innocent life in this country. And I'm looking forward to that, to seeing how it happens. But it also means, again, here in North Carolina, we have to make sure we have the right people in place to make pro-life policies. And again, going back to what we said about Davidson County being the keystone, Davidson County has the votes. If we turn it out, 
to swing statewide races, including the governor in this state, to Republican. And that's what it's going to take to do this, keeping our majorities in the House and the Senate, keeping a majority, hopefully, on the Supreme Court very soon, and taking back the governor's mansion. Davidson County is critical in this. Yeah, and I, I tend to agree also. I also believe, you know, life begins at conception. And while the leak, you know, was egregious, and mm -hmm. I agree with that, um, you know, I, it's an answer to a lot of prayers it is. for a lot of people it because, um, you know, I think the science is on our side in this case. Absolutely. You know, when Roe versus Wade was passed, we didn't have the ultrasound. I mean, mm -hmm. that's how long it's been. Um, and just basing a decision off of precedent is is not enough you know i think an overturning of roe versus wade has been due for a while absolutely um, with advances in prenatal science and neonatal science and personhood in the womb and all those things science is on our side so you know democrats love to you know claim that they're the party of science um, they can't define a woman at this point they ignore the science with mm -hmm. uh, abortion uh and personhood in the womb and um you know they're Leftist heads are exploding at this oh, point. Oh, they are. They are. I mean, you have to look no far further than what's happening at the homes of some of these justices, you know, being uh, picketed and targeted uh, because of this. I mean, that, that's that's unheard of in this country, and it's ridiculous. And I also heard that uh, some, you know, pro-life pregnancy centers have been firebombed. They're using mm -hmm. Catholic cocktails and, and uh, conducting masses and having uh, protesters enter and disrupting houses of worship. I and mean, that, that shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I actually saw a video uh, yesterday of uh, them singing a hymn, Thank God for Abortion, you know, on the steps of Catholic Church. Like, you can't look at that and say, these are the good guys. These are the guys on the right side of the argument. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least in my opinion, I think it's very clear. Well, I agree. So, um, now that, you know, we do have that leak, uh, it has led to, you know, protests and things like that. Um, but now we have Eric Swalwell and, and several other you know, Democratic leaders talking about packing the court again. So uh, what, what are your thoughts on that as well? Well, it would not be the first time Democrats have attempted to do this when they weren't getting their way. Um, I think it's important to put things in historical perspective. They tried this in the 1930s uh, with Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Um, had a, there was a conservative Supreme Court majority at that time that had continued to strike down many of the New Deal programs and other things that Roosevelt was trying to put into place. And once again, when Democrats don't get their way, they try to go around the rules and they attempted to pack the court then. So it's not a, not a new concept and it's just something they're borrowing from the, the same uh, playbook they've been using for the last, you know, ever how many years. Um, you know, of course, every system that involves a human being is flawed, but I believe we have the best system. Um, and, you know, this, this court packing thing, just when someone doesn't get their way, is um, ludicrous. It's, um, that's how the rules are made. And, you know, there's uh, certainly avenues uh, legislatively if uh, Democrats want to change uh, certain laws. But usually, as we've seen the past 50 years, Democrats court shop instead. They try to find a court that is sympathetic. And that's how they basically uh, had this nation under their thumb since at least uh, the LBJ administration in the 60s. And now when the courts under the Trump administration became much more conservative, they're now that they really don't know what to do. And so now they try to change the rules to favor what they want. Um, when Democrats don't win at a ballot box, they don't win at the state legislature, they don't win at the federal legislature or the executive offices, 
um, there's a problem. And so again, if they want to change things, they should do it the legal way, the right way, the way that uh, our founders intended for it to be done, not to play political games, try to uh, subvert the system. Yeah, and, and two things, you know, I think it can't be overstated how important Trump was to bringing us to this point. Well, Trump beat them at their own game. You know, and we do have Harry Reid, a former Democratic majority leader, to thank for some of this. Um, he allowed a simple majority to uh, confirm judges to uh, federal courts. Um, but Trump realized that this was the, the game the Democrats had played for years, that they uh, would go and pack the courts as much as they could. And then that was what they would go to. That's how they would get things done. If they couldn't get it done in Congress, they would go to courts, federal courts, and get it done. And Trump beat them at their own game. And, you know, it's, it was a great thing to see. And that's one of his greatest accomplishments is, uh, is the changing, the reforming of the federal judiciary. And that'll have probably one of the longest impacts of anything uh, that he was able to accomplish. Sure. One sure. of the most positive as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm certainly a big fan of that. Um, and what, what is your view on um, how Democrats are just reacting to overturning Roe versus Wade and returning that power back to the states, letting people actually vote through a federalist system on the issue? They just are, you know, resistant to that at every turn. Well, I think, again, it goes back to um, what they have been used to. Um, they're not used to uh, having a federal court system that is, at least a Supreme Court, that has appears to be ruling against them in so many ways recently. And I, I think a lot of them, they just don't know how to react. I mean, they've had control of the federal government for you know, longer than you and I have been alive, probably twice our age at least. I mean, it's, they have been in control of the federal government and the federal uh, court system. I think that that uh, their reactions um, should not be, this shouldn't surprise anyone. I mean, you look back at the 2016 presidential election, how they responded to that. Um, look at the uh, Brett Kavanaugh uh, confirmation hearings in the Senate. Uh, this, this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. And I think Republicans would do well to remember that that Democrats never change their tactics. They're always the same. They're very predictable and just watch for patterns. And, you know, this is not something that we agree with, but it's something definitely shouldn't take us by surprise. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, their tactics don't change. They don't. And the, and, the, and the interesting thing too is, you know, if, if Republicans on the right hand, right side of the aisle would be using those same tactics, you know, we would be told, <laughs> we would be demonized, oh, yes. ostracized, oh, everything along, along, that, along those lines. But, you know, we got the mainstream media and everything just covering uh, mm -hmm. for the Democrats there. They're showing up at justices' houses, you know, threatening to burn everything in their house and everything else. And uh, Well, it's reminiscent know. here in North Carolina. Uh, the Democratic Party uh, had an organization that was uh, called the Red Shirts that was a part of, of the militant arm of the Ku Klux Klan. The Democrats used in this state for decades to do their uh, bidding. And if they've terrorized Republicans, whether African-American or white Republicans, to intimidate people into supporting democratic policy. And that's something that took place in this state for decades and back in the 20s and 30s and things of that and during that time. And again, we're seeing this today. I mean, they, they go in and destroy cities and they don't get their way. And this is, this is, not, this is not what America is about. It's not the America we want our children growing up in. Yep. Certainly agree, certainly agree. So. 
Uh, that pretty much does it for uh, our interview. So I certainly appreciate you coming in and talking with us about uh, the issues locally it. and both uh, nationally. Um, so hopefully uh, we'll have you on again sometime. Uh, thank you very much. Upcoming Davison GOP events. So the next Davison GOP meeting will be held on June 2nd at 7 p.m. at Yarborough's in Lexington featuring Hal Weatherman, president of the Electoral Education Foundation. The Davidson County Republican Men's Club meeting will be held uh, June 4th at Biscuit King off Talbert Boulevard at 9 a.m. The next Davidson County Republican Women's Club meeting will be held June 21st at 6 p.m. here at Yarborough's also. And the Republic Light Latinos and Government Honorary Team will hold their regular meeting on May 31st at 7 p.m. at the Thomasville Parks and Rec Building. If you want to find out more about Republic Light, you can visit their website at publiclight.org. So I want to thank you guys for checking out our inaugural episode of the Davison GOP's Red Wave podcast. If you have any comments, concerns, or just want to get in touch with us about an issue, upcoming event, or something else, you can reach us through our website at davison.nc.gop, our Facebook page at Davison GOP, or you can email us directly at davidsonncgop at gmail.com. So thanks for listening, and let's all do our part to make sure a red wave is coming. See you guys next time.